Hello and welcome to the Triage Method podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, as always, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you? I'm positively splendid, Gary, as per usual. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Great. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about endurance running, um, and specifically we'll focus on building up to a marathon or just training for the marathon. You might have done one before. This is part of the How to Train series. We're progressing through different training goals and particularly those that we help our clients with at triage. So we have a lot of people that run their first marathon or want to improve their uh, endurance running generally. And we coach them to achieve that goal while obviously continuing to preserve their health, their body composition and their performance, obviously in this domain, but in other domains as well. Um, And ideally not getting injured along the way. So that's the goal. We want to do it in a healthy manner where we're not getting injured We want to be able to, well, some people want to be able to continue training in the gym and maybe preserve their muscle mass. Obviously, if you're a professional marathon runner, that's not necessarily your primary goal, uh, but it is for a lot of our audience. And what we'll do in this podcast really is focus on the person that's trying to maybe run their first marathon or maybe just get the basics in order. There are absolutely further technical points you could go into and if you're if you're an advanced endurance runner um but that's a very very small percentage of our audience so most of you will want to be working towards maybe your first marathon or you did one before but you didn't train for it properly you want to get a proper plan of action in place and even if you are a bit more advanced there are still things you can learn here because what i'll discuss is are some of the most common mistakes that we see with endurance running training such as just going out running as far as you can, as fast as you can, and not having a plan. That's very unwise. So that's the topic of today. Yeah, I would say like today's, you know, the goal of today's episode is to basically show you how to go from zero to good at endurance stuff, you know, but going from that kind of good to great or great to, you know, unbelievable, that obviously requires a lot more, specifics you know and it's the same with all the stuff we've been talking about really in terms of yeah okay here you have the broad stroke broad strokes of the program the broad strokes of what needs to be covered cool that's going to get you to good enough that's going to get you to okay i can i can do fairly decently with this knowledge but and i think people kind of fail to recognize that there is a difference between okay i've i've you know i've done good enough i've done decently well from that level to okay now i'm i'm actually in like the the pro ranks you know uh, like there is a, a relatively large uh, gap um in that and sometimes it's just a case of you just need to keep doing more of what has like has been working or what we've been discussing sometimes it's a case of you just need to do it for longer but often there are very subtle changes that you have to make and unfortunately we can't give you the broad strokes of that because it's generally person specific situation specific sport specific etc you know so i just wanted to throw in that caveat there absolutely and where we start with this really guys is are some of my rules of thumb and there'll be a lot of rules of thumb in this podcast because again you you just you can't there's there's not going to be evidence like very specific evidence on every one of these things, you know? So when you're running your first marathon, it's not like we have a complete evidence base um, and loads of guidelines that show this is the exact best way to do it because people come from all sorts of backgrounds. So what I use are heuristics and rules of thumb that I think are quite helpful. And one of those 
that I always say to clients is for any new running distance, the goal should be to earn that distance. Okay. So earn your 10 K earn your half marathon, earn your marathon. And what I mean by that is that you should put a bit of effort into, you know, training for a 5k, excuse me, going out and performing a 5k, whether it be at an event or just on your own, you're testing yourself, put a bit of time into that before going to the 10k before going to the half and before going to the full marathon. The reason this is so beneficial is that one, it gets you into the habit of, you know, basically training for running very regularly without having this massive gap of I'm going from zero to marathon, or I'm going from 5k to marathon. Because if we were to talk about that in a weight loss context, it's like saying, I have 40 kilos to lose. Surely we'd break that down and say, let's aim for five kilos in the next 12 weeks or something like that, rather than just saying, okay, we've got 40 kilos to lose. Let's get stuck in. Okay. We want to break it down a bit, but not only that, what we also want to do is begin to focus on some of the details um, that will carry over to your marathon. So for example, you need to get good at pacing. All right. You need to get an idea of what's your 5k pace look like. Once you know what your 5k pace looks like, you'll begin to realize that, okay, if I'm going to train for a marathon, I need to start running slower because if I can only run 5k at this pace, I need to be slower if I want to run for longer. So that's where you begin to calibrate your training a bit more. So you get an idea of here's my 5k pace. Here's my 10k pace. If I go to 20k plus, I start to slow it down to this pace and so on. And this all becomes really important as we move into the training planning um, shortly. Okay. So don't just go into endurance running and think, I'm going to just run as far as I can without any previous training. And this is my only 12 weeks. Okay. Some people do it. They do the couch to marathon, but it's a, it's just not ideal. Okay. I think getting used to the practice of running, getting used to things like how you manage your breathing, your the posture that you hold, you know, the, the cadence, the right stride length for you, all of that stuff comes with time. And if you can begin to focus on it over smaller distances first, it's much easier to then focus on it over a very large difference, like a marathon. Again, if we take it to another similar situation, such as weight training, you know, we're going to get our, our new clients uh, to focus on, you know, staying a little bit further from failure at the start. They're going to start with lighter weights. They're going to start with, you know, not aiming for their one rep max every week. But eventually we get to, the, to that one rep max. But in the interim, we might focus on, okay, what's your eight rep max? What's your five rep max? Uh, what's your five rep set with two reps in reserve and so on. And this is the same thing that we're trying to develop here as it applies to marathon running. We want to prioritize our bench press technique. We also want to prioritize our running technique. Okay. So it's not just about going in testing maximally, um, especially not for something that is as tough on the body as a marathon. Yeah. And obviously like it depends on your entire situation. Like if you're coming to this, you know, oh, I'm coming, I want to start, I want to, you know, run a marathon and you're coming to this from a background of doing lots of field sports or yeah. you know, doing a lot of sport in general when you were younger, like it's obviously going to be a different experience than if you're coming to this going, I've literally never done any exercise and I just, I've always wanted to do a marathon. So let's, let's crack on with it, you know? So there are differences in terms of how you approach it. Like you might come in, like Ari's saying, going, okay, we're going to just own that 5k first. You come in the first day and you're like, 5k is easy. It's no, no bother. You know, mm -hmm. obviously you can kind of, you know, take it at your own pace, skip ahead. If you're like, okay, 5k is you know, pretty easy. I still understand. I need to, you know, 
redevelop if you're coming to this after a long time off or whatever the like skill of pacing and learning how hard i should be pushing etc and so there are still benefits to you know spending some time like trying to get mastery effectively and but you can kind of push ahead at your own pace but you have to actually be honest with yourself with this stuff because i couldn't tell you the amount of people that have come to us either having gone oh yeah i want to run a marathon or i want to do xyz run and they've gone from zero to I'm going to try to be a hero, like straight out the gate. And it just doesn't work. Like you, you might be lucky and you might just go, OK, that was just very hard in the body. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to do that again. Or which unfortunately happens very often. You do that first run and then you end up with an injury in your ankle or your knee or something because you just pushed yourself to the max to try to get your max speed max distance everything straight out the gate having not trained for a while and it's just a recipe for injury even if it's only a minor injury usually most people would pick up some sort of little niggle from that you know absolutely and that's really important and that brings us to to also understanding what are the barriers to performance? Because this informs training, okay? So at the physiological level, there's sort of three different things that we can think of as barriers and thus things that we're trying to improve. The first one being maximal oxygen uptake or VO2 max, okay? You've probably heard of this before, but it's basically our kind of overall quantification of one's aerobic fitness. It's, it's describing our ability to pump blood around the body, to oxygenate that blood, to take that oxygen to the tissues um, and then to get that oxygen from the blood into the tissues and use it appropriately. Okay. So it's a very, it's a very brief summary of something that encompasses a lot of different systems, including the respiratory system, the cardiovascular system, the blood vessels and vascular system itself, and then the muscle um, of course. Okay. And all of that then is involved with the broader, mus broader musculoskeletal system, the bones, ligaments, etc. Okay. But the first thing we need to do is we need to get oxygen to tissues so that we can keep running for a long period of time. Additionally, alongside that, we've got something that's called our lactate or anaerobic threshold. There's multiple different ways of defining these thresholds and you'll see ventilar ventilatory threshold. You'll see lactate threshold. You'll see anaer anaerobic threshold. There are some subtle differences um, in the definitions, but the key thing here to understand is that there's a certain point at which you can be continue to use your aerobic system um, for a long period of time if you don't go any faster. Okay, so this is generally when you're in that range of um, zone two, so you're about uh, 60 to 70% of your max heart rate. Let's take someone who has a 200 beats, beats per minute max heart rate. That'll be 120 to 140 beats per minute there we're very likely to be below the lactate threshold. Okay, this is the threshold at which you're going to begin to produce more lactate. Your lactate levels are going to be increasing as a result of you digging into anaerobic energy production. As you dig into anaerobic energy production, what ends up happening is you get more metabolites produced, more metabolic byproducts, you get more fatigue within the muscle, more acidosis, and these things begin to compromise muscle function. And they also feed back to the cardiorespiratory system increasing your heart rate, increasing your breathing rate, and it's going to make it very difficult to sustain that for a long period of time. So if your uh, threshold is increasing, that's a good thing because it means you can stay in the aerobic zone. You'll have a broader zone too. And that's something that will sustain you then 
um, for a longer period of time. Okay. So with that said, if you're an endurance runner, you will be digging into those anaerobic systems. They're absolutely necessary. It's really important. Um, it's not like if you look at a marathon runner, they're not in zone two. Okay. People talk about zone two all the time, but that's, that's not really where you are when you're actually performing, but it's just having that broader aerobic capacity that gives you a little bit more time to play with the aerobic systems before digging, digging into anaerobic energy production where you have more fatigue and obviously not as much duration in the tank. Okay. So that's something that's another physiological barrier to performance. So, so far we've covered the broader aerobic capacity. So how well we're able to get that oxygen to tissues, VO2 max, and then we've got where our lactate or anaerobic threshold is. And then if that's higher, it means that we've got a broader aerobic capacity. So the two fit together very well. And then the final component, which is very much related to the two, is the concept of energetics or energy supply. Okay. At the very basic level, we simply need food. Okay. If you don't have any carbohydrates on board and you've got super, super low body fat, then you're going to find it very difficult to perform. That's clearly going to be a barrier to performance. But it's not just about fuel availability either. It's also how well you're using your energy. So this comes in, this brings us to something called running economy. Okay. So if you've like really like sloppy running technique, you know, let's say you're you're really jumping like side to side and your legs are flailing all over the place and your torso is really slack. If you're doing that, you're going to be wasting a lot of energy. Okay, so that's going to compromise your performance because you're just not being efficient. Other things might be the terrain that you're on. You know, is it really sloppy ground? It's uneven ground. What altitude are you at? What's uh, what's the temperature outside? All these different factors, and there are many, contribute to running economy and therefore contribute to how efficiently you're using the energy, energy that you have available. So when I think about this, there are the, key, the three key areas I think of as physiological barriers to performance. We've got VO2 max, lactate threshold, and then energetics. Of course, there are more. For example, you might think of an injury that you have as your barrier to performance. There are very clear psychological barriers to performance. That's really important with endurance running. But these are the three kind of core areas, I think, that we focus on when we're actually planning training. Yeah, and the way I always describe it is like, you basically have a hybrid car you know you have one one system works on electricity one system you have the backup of like petrol right so let's just say you know you can modify your car multiple different ways depending on whatever right um let's say you have like some sort of this is not technically possible but let's say you have some sort of like solar battery you know, or solar device uh, on the roof where, you know, sunny out, you can get some energy coming in. So you basically want to stay in that kind of electrical system for as long as possible, right? So if you go too fast, right? Oh, unfortunately, you're going to have to switch over into the petrol, right? Petrol is really expensive. You don't want to do that, right? You also only have a small tank of gas. You know, it's, it's much smaller than your battery capacity. Now, again, this, this is an analogy. Don't take it to the bank, right? So you want to stay in that electric for as long as possible, right? So you know there's a certain point, right, where you go, okay, electricity, 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 cool, it's all good. Okay, now I'm going too fast. I switch over to petrol, right? And that's kind of where we're at, that like lactate threshold, that point of you know no return where we're starting to go into more petrol, right? In terms of humans, where we're starting to use a lot more glycogen and then build up all these like metabolic byproducts, et cetera, right? So 
that's generally how I describe it. And I'll usually make it more specific to the actual individual in terms of, oh, when you're going this fast, this is when we're starting to kick into more petrol, right? But I find it helps to really think about that in terms of, okay, well, I have two systems here. There are actually other systems in the body, but again, just bear with me, right? Um, you have two systems. We basically just want to make sure that that point of no return, that switchover point, we want to push that higher and higher, right? We want to push that to a point where, okay, let's just say, you know, the car can go, I don't know, whatever, 100 miles an hour, right? And at 70 miles an hour, that's the point where, okay, it starts kicking over into petrol, right? But let's say, again, we can modify this car. We can, you know, through training, we can get to a point where that is now 75 miles per hour. That's the point of no return. Okay, we can continue training. We can continue modifying the car. Okay, now it's 80, right? And that's effectively what we want to do. We want to build up that capacity so that lactate threshold is much higher, right? Now, in terms of actual running and in terms of actual, like, you know, human physiology we are talking about oxygen consumption oxygen uptake oxygen you know getting around the body that's basically the energy it's not actually the energy but you need oxygen to burn the energy right or to utilize the energy and you know using fat as fuel which is what you're going to predominantly be using when you're training in an aerobic way um you need a lot of oxygen Right. And again, people would like to break this down in terms of, oh, like, you know, is it going to be your lung capacity? Is it going to be like your capillary density? Is it going to be your overall like vascular system, et cetera, et cetera? Like ultimately, like, yeah, that's cool for like physiologists to debate. But you as a trainee, it doesn't matter. Right. What you actually really care about is the outcome. Right. And even though we're saying like VO2 max is the kind of outcome that we're using here, it's actually not predictive right? Like you could have a relatively poor VO2 max and still do incredibly well in your sport, still do incredibly well in running, marathon running, endurance events. So it's not predictive. However, it is something that we can, you know, relatively easily keep an eye on. Like it's not perfectly accurate, but stuff like, you know, like an Apple watch or whatever, like they, that tracks your VO2 max based on like, you know, walking speed, uh, so uh, and heart rate um so like you can get a, a picture of it not perfect by any means but at least you can have a, a picture of it so once we have something that we can kind of track you know happy days but we have other metrics in terms of okay you're going for a run like once you know what the intensity should feel like you know like they often say you know if we're staying in this uh, aerobic system you know you should be at a pace where you can have a conversation but the other person would know that you are exercising you know like you're not like <laughs> like completely out of breath but you know they know that you're doing something they know that you're you're putting in some work like if you're on the telephone they're gonna be like sorry are you exercising at the moment like they're, they're, they're gonna know right so we can use that kind of just like you know daily you know very easy oh are you, it sounds like you're exercising to kind of get a picture of where that you know aerobic system is being used versus you're gasping for air you know, then, okay, we're starting to kick into more of those anaerobic thresholds or anaerobic systems, right? Um, so that can be really helpful because if you know that, then you also have a very easy way to see if you are progressing because if you're going, okay, well, whatever my pace is, we won't get into paces because, you know, it's very specific to people. But like, if you're running at a specific pace and you're like, okay, well, this actually used to be the point where I was gasping for air. Like, you know that 
well, you can assume that your aerobic system, you're, you're doing better, like you're fitter, right? So that's a, a long uh, roundabout way of saying that, uh, yeah, all of this stuff matters, but also it doesn't necessarily matter. Like you don't need to know all the ins and outs of all of this to improve your running. You know, you can use just how you feel effectively. <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. That's super important. And like, I actually, I come back to that a lot with clients. Like sometimes like when I talk about like heart rate zones I'm a, and, and I'm talking about zone based training for my clients, I'm putting it in there like as a, as a rough guiding light. Sometimes my clients get far too stressed about it. They're like, oh, Gary, my, my heart rate went up to 155, 160 today. Like it, I, I really need to slow this down. And I'm just like, okay, how are you feeling? And they were like, no, it was fine. I, I could have continued for ages. I actually felt really good. It was, it was no problem. Okay, then we don't need to worry about this. This is just not an issue. Okay, so when you're when you're when you're planning running and you're thinking about heart rate, you have to think about it at the level of the individual. People have different heart rate responses for many different reasons. There can be individual factors on a given day. You might have had loads of caffeine, poor sleep, high stress, etc. But ask yourself, how does this correlate with my actual RPE, my rate of perceived exertion? If you've got uh, an elevation in heart rate on a given day and you've got an elevation in RPE, you just feel like crap, you feel your heart's racing in your chest, that's useful concordant information. If you've got the elevation in heart rate but you feel fantastic and you feel you can run for three more hours, then you don't need to act on the fact that your heart rate has changed. Okay, so just keep that in mind, especially as I get back to some of the specifics around running planning. Now, I'm going to go back to a couple of my rules of thumb here. Um, This is not like super evidence-based, but it's just like when I'm approaching it, a new client, I'm looking out for these things, okay? So ideally, as a prerequisite for somebody that's training for a marathon, at 12 to 18 weeks before the marathon, I'd like to see that they've completed a run in the range of 15 to 20K, okay? So you've done that before. It might be, like, for example, I might say to them, have, have, you, have you done long running before? And they might say, oh, yeah, sure. I trained for half marathons for years. I've just been out for a year or two. In that case, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, I know that you've done this in the past. I know you've got some of those adaptations that if we poke away at this for a few weeks, these are going to come flying back. Okay. Similarly, if someone tells me, I just ran a half marathon last week, there's a, a full marathon in four months, I'd like to train for it. I'm happy with that. I'm going to say, yeah, that's no problem. That sounds like a decent prerequisite. We can make this happen. If someone comes 12 weeks out, they say, I've never ran before, Gary, but I want to do a marathon. I'm thinking, yeah, we can do it. But this isn't ideal. Okay. So the ideal prerequisite is you've done the 15 to 20K distance, ideally more than 12 to 18 weeks before the marathon, because that gives you plenty of time to focus on what's my goal time for the marathon? You know, how am I going to approach my pacing, etc. The problem is if you've never done uh, any long running, you don't even know where your pacing should be for something like the marathon distance. So we're spending a lot of our time then trying to focus on that, trying to calibrate that, trying to ask ourselves, okay, should we be aiming for six minutes per kilometer? How about 530? You're, you're doing really well over a 5K distance, but we've no idea what it looks like over the half marathon and then full marathon distance. So you've basically just got a lot of the basics taken care of if you've done that those longer distances before. Again, it'd be like trying to go and do a powerlifting competition. If you say, Gary, I've got a powerlifting competition in 12 weeks, and I say, yeah, right, send me a picture of your bench press, and you say, Oh, well, I've actually never bench pressed before. Now I'm thinking, okay, now not only do we have to focus on strength development now, we have to focus on getting your basic bench press technique down. You don't even know the rules of the sport, okay? So you want that stuff taken care of, and then the specifics of the training are far more impactful. 
Yeah, and like you might be listening to that and going, oh Jesus, like I'm not like I'm not training for half a year for a marathon, right? And like that's fair enough. You might just think, okay, I'm gonna be able to, I'm just gonna do a 12 week prep, 16 week prep for this marathon. And again, it can be done, right? Mm-hmm. But I actually think one of the biggest issues with doing that, because you know, it's it's skill acquisition, a lot of it, but running well, like running well, like well enough is actually relatively easy. Like humans are kind of designed to do it, right? So you can get to a point where you're actually, you're pretty, pretty, pretty decent at this, right? Like I'd say you could probably learn to run quicker than you could learn like a bench press or something, right? Uh, like to bench press well, right? But what I actually think the biggest issue is we're going to have to build up volume over that 12, 18 weeks, whatever it is that, you know, we have before that which means that our overall volume is going to be relatively high towards the end of that marathon prep, right? And while that will allow you, because we'll we'll do some sort of like deloading, we'll do some sort of like peaking, tapering, whatever you want to call it, um, before the actual race, well, that will allow you to uh, complete the marathon. It doesn't necessarily mean that it'll lead to your best performance, right? Because generally, if I can get, you know, a couple of weeks of, you know, uh, really high output, you know, closer to the start, closer to the start of this prep where I'm like, okay, I know you can hit these distances. We're not even thinking about that in our mind. We're not even thinking about, oh, can I even hit the required, uh, you know, distance? That removes so much stress from the overall training process. Whereas if you're coming into, you know, whatever, week 12 of a 16-week marathon prep, and you've never even come close. Like you're only just starting to come close to feeling like, okay, I think I can even hit the the bare minimum distance. I can actually just complete the race. Like it's not even a physiological stress. Like obviously there's a physiological stress in terms of, you know, you actually have to do the race or to actually have to do the, the distance. You actually have to recover from that, et cetera. But there's so much extra stress where you're constantly thinking, Oh, am I going to be able to do this like that? I did that like 25 kilometers two weeks ago and like that was rough, you know? Like there's just this voice in the back of your head, right? And obviously, again, across the whole training block, there's more fatigue being built up. So while you are, you know, adapting and you are, you know, probably able to run a little bit faster, probably able to run a little bit more efficiently, etc. Like you're still feeling it. It's still hard training. You're still feeling like there's a recovery you know, debt effectively, right? And that's probably for me, that's the biggest thing, you know, it's the psychology of it, you know, where it's like just in the back of your head, you're just constantly thinking, am I able to even hit the distance, you know? And that's not, that's that's assuming like we're not dealing with any little niggles, injuries, fucking whatever else, you know? So for me, I would like most people to have a decent base, you know? Again, it doesn't have to be, Oh, I've run a marathon before. Obviously, that would be you know probably ideal, <laughs> but I would like to see that you you've got into the higher volume, like you've at least done a run over two hours. That would be you know fa- phenomenal. You know, you're like, okay, cool. I you, I know you can at least run for two hours, right? Um, like I have a few clients at the moment that they come from a background of having a, a large aerobic base. They it might not have been specific to running, but I know for them that okay. You can, we don't necessarily need to have hit two, three, four hours of running right now to know that, you know, you're going to be able to run that distance uh, or for, for that long uh, in a couple of weeks, because I know you have a good aerobic pace. I, I know you know how to pace yourself in terms of, you know, what that feels like 
intensity wise, you know, but anyway, how do we uh, get on with that? Let's say you accomplish those prerequisites or you don't. What's the, what's the, what's the approach? You're, you're like, I'm yeah. not for the 18 weeks now. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. You've all done your pre, your pre prep. You're ready to go. Um, I look, I, what I, firstly, for those who aren't, you know, in the running world, and you've come in from the lifting background, because I know a lot of people try to make that transition. There's just as much like my way is the best way, your way is crap in running as there is in lifting. Okay. So you hear people arguing in lifting about is it like, should I go high intensity? Should I go high volume? Should I do one set? Should I do five sets? I should I go to failure? Should I not? It's the same in running. Okay. You even have this at the level of like the journal of, of physiology where there's an entire kind of debate series dedicated to like doing more interval running versus doing longer running or longer endurance work and so on. Okay. So the point is that there's conflict in every field and there are better ways for certain people. Some runners love doing more like high intensity interval runs as in lots of like repeated sprints, shorter, faster runs, etc. Others like to do super high volumes of the low intensity work. What I try to do is take a bit from each area because that's what's most likely to apply to the broadest range of individuals. So I call it like there's just a three prong approach where we have firstly, so I'll break it down and then I'll elaborate a little just, bit. Just before you do that, right? Like when you look at all of these things, the one commonality is they're all building a big aerobic base, right? Yes. Even though, like I don't think like all the nuances, all the little specifics, whatever, like I actually don't think it matters because they're all actually doing the exact same thing, right? They're going about it a different way. But even I know you're going to talk about it in a second, so sorry for interrupting you. But like, even if you're doing like intervals, the way like runners, marathon runners at least do intervals, like they basically become aerobic intervals, right? Like they're not, they're not doing the same type of intervals that a sprinter would be doing. Like a sprinter, oh, I'm going to do a 30 second, you know, seven or eight out of 10 uh, intensity run. And then I'm going to basically get like complete recovery, right? Like marathon runners don't do that. They're like, oh, I'm going to do a seven or eight out of 10 intensity run. And then I'm going to take a minute recovery, <laughs> you know? So every subsequent like sprint after that just becomes more and more aerobic, you know? So again, don't lose the forest for the trees. They're all, they're all building a huge aerobic base, right? So they're all arguing at the same point. Everyone knows that the marathon is however many hours or whatever, you know, it's like, we're all aiming at the same point. So even though Gary's going through this now, just keep that in mind. Yeah. And that, that is, that is really important. Okay. So I, what I have is this three, three prong approach that I'll use with most people. I might emphasize one prong more with some two with others. A lot of the time we have three, at least some point in the marathon prep. So what I would, what I consider to be like the cornerstone um, and this should probably make up the largest percentage of your training, especially from a time and a volume perspective, are the slow runs, okay? So these are slow runs that you do below your goal pace for the marathon. That's really important. Where your, your goal is to accumulate distance, building towards about 80% of the marathon distance. So what that looks like is about you know 32 to 34K um, or 32 to 35K. If you're getting in that distance, uh, before you get to the marathon, I'm more than happy you're going to finish it. To be honest, if you get 25 to 30K even, 
I know you'll finish the marathon. You'll get there. But ideally, 32 to 35K, you've done before so that you have that time in the feet. You're well used to it, especially because this is below goal pace. When you equate it out, because you're running slower, um, you do end up running roughly around the period of time that you will on the day of the marathon. And as a result, I know that you're prepared for the time in the feet. So this should make up most of your training time. These slower runs, these are going to be in that range roughly of zone two, where you're 60 to 70% of your max heart rate. And the thing that strikes most runners or most people that, that are getting into running is that this feels so slow. Okay. It, it, it People really have to slow themselves down and that can be difficult because you're all motivated to do your running. But trust me, when you're 10K, 15K, 20K into that run and you've been running for two plus hours, that starts to get pretty difficult and you'll be glad that you took your time at the beginning, okay? So that's the, the largest portion of your training. Your second prong then is the, on the mop. Right. Yeah. When, if you're a beginner, hammer this. This, this is Hammers, your yeah. Like this is the one that, you know, if you like, I very often do this with clients who are coming in that are like, I've never done a marathon. I just, I want to, you know, improve this stuff this is the thing that we're hammering the most this is the thing that makes it the bulk of our training and effectively i try to get people to a stage and again you you touched on it there where they feel like they could just go all day right they're at a pace they're running and they're like i'm i'm not i'm never reaching that point where i feel destroyed i'm never reaching that point where i'm absolutely gasping for air right and like you said people generally will find they're like i feel like i'm running very slowly you know i feel like i'm not like I could push myself a lot harder. And I, I say it to them, I'm like, look, that's cool. We're going to save that energy for the actual race, right? Right now, we're trying to improve your running economy, improve your efficiency, improve your like just aerobic capacity overall, right? And we're just building up all of those things, the length of time that you're doing this, the like pace that you're going at, you know, all of these things, we're just doing it, we're taking it handy right we're just spending a lot of time in this like it, i actually don't really like the zones i feel like they're very uh convoluted and people say zone two when they're actually in zone three and it's all yeah. this, whatever but we're in this classic zone two like whatever 60 to 70 percent of your max heart rate right obviously again it's going to be different for everyone but that's a whole other discussion right but if you just hammered that aerobic system right and you did it via running you're going to build basically all the adaptations that you actually need to complete the race, right? And that has to be the first goal, right? Like you want, you don't want to do 18 weeks of prep or however long it is for a marathon and then not even complete it, right? So that has to be the first, like tick the box, right? And if you did nothing else except this, like the, the aerobic base stuff, like you did that, like it's just even say two, three times per week, like you would get to a stage where you have a pretty good gas tank and you can like complete the race, right? Now, afterwards, and Gary, I'll touch on this now, if you want to do it in good time, you want to really improve like the speed at which you're running, we're going to need to bring in some other things. That's not to say that they're actually 100% necessary because there are many runners out there who do stuff like that, like a, a math uh, method, like that mathetone uh, aerobic fitness and whatever, uh, or max aerobic fitness training. Um where they'll basically just try to get to that peak when we talked about that like energy system transition there or like they'll basically get to that peak of their aerobic system just stay at that you know and what they're doing then is really working on trying to get faster while staying at that level right so like you could do that you could never touch on any of the things that gary's going to talk about now in a second and still 
really, really improve your overall running, right? So again, there are discussions, there's so many debates, but just keep in mind, what are you actually trying to do? Check. And then the second prong is sort of the the middle one. So moderate distance or moderate, moderate runs, I should say. So these are runs that are generally going to be in the 6 to 12K range. You might say 5 to 15K range. It's not too important. But the idea here is that it's a moderate enough distance relative to the marathon. It's not, it's not, it's not like super short where like the intervals somewhere in the middle. Okay. These are runs that you're going to perform at, and this varies a lot, but I'm going to say zero to 15% faster than your goal race pace. Because the distance is shorter, you can run a little bit faster. So we're getting exposure to faster pacing so that when you do that slower pacing, it's, it's just, it's just far easier. You've built up the the pace you've worked in those anaerobic zones a little bit it kind of prepares you a little bit as well for later in the race okay when you are struggling because you'll be emulating that a little bit here so moderate runs 6 to 12k range roughly 0 to 15 percent faster than your goal race pace and then that's going to put you somewhere in the range of zone three which is 70 to 80 percent for your max heart rate i find that when people talk about zone two they're mostly talking about zone three really you know 70 to 80 percent is 140 to 160 beats per minute at a 200 beats per minute max heart rate um and that's i think where most people probably do their cardio and and that's fine you know there's nothing wrong with that you're still probably a little bit sub lactate threshold or, or getting towards that as you go to the 160 to 170 for someone that's that's trained for sure but uh you should be a little bit faster than your goal race pace and what that would look like would be for example if you're running at a five minute per kilometer pace that's five by 60 seconds 300 seconds 10 percent faster um would be you know 270 seconds so you're going five or four and a half minutes um per kilometer now roughly speaking versus the five minutes per kilometer okay so that's how you begin to approach it the percentages aren't too important the thing i just like to remind people is when i say run a little bit faster i don't mean like a minute or two minutes per kilometer faster okay that's a huge difference 15 to 30 seconds becomes very significant over 10, 20 K. Okay. Even over five to 10 K really. So that's, that's kind of where you start with the second prong. Anything to add there? Yeah. Practically speaking, the way I often do it is I'll put in little milestones. Like we're going to go, okay, this, this week we're going to do like a 5 K and we're not going to try to hit your like best absolute phenomenal 5 K, but I want you to feel like that 5 K was a fast 5 K. You know, if we are using pacing, because you know, if you're a beginner, we might not use, pace as a, a strategy or whatever um, but if we're using that we'll kind of set a, a rough pace of timing but all, practically again you'll use something like a 5k or a 7k or even a 10k you know potentially where you're like okay i want you to run this i want you to run it fairly fast i want you to feel like okay i'm pushing myself but i want you to be at that pace where it's just above like we discussed earlier on where you know, you want to be on on the phone and the other person to know that you're exercising. I want you to be just pushing into that pace where the other person on the other side of the phone is like, "Yeah, I, I should." Will we organize this call later? Because like you're you're clearly like pushing hard, right? Like you're not <laughs> like absolutely destroyed, but you're definitely you know gasping for a little bit of air, right? So it's just that little bit faster. Again, it doesn't have to be you know incredibly soul destroying your body is absolutely destroyed wrecked after the run but i want you to see improvements over time so if we use that kind of like let's just say 5k or 5 to 10k somewhere in that range right 
I want you to see that, okay, actually, look, all the work that we've been doing, even though we haven't been really focusing on my speed, my speed has been improving. I've This 5K, my time for that, even though I'm only at, you know, let's say 80% of my max heart rate, previously when I was doing it at like redlining and <laughs> destroying myself, like I can see that I'm actually doing this faster, right? So you want to hit those little milestones uh, along the way, right? And even if it is something that we're only doing like every week or every second week, like once a week, you know, once every two weeks that we're really putting in this kind of uh, faster pace, more moderate run, because we're spending the vast majority of our time on the uh, aerobic system, like in that kind of, again, quote unquote zone two, uh, like we want to see some improvements over time. They're not going to happen every week. They're not going to happen every fucking month, you know, but we want to see that, okay, my 5k pace, I'm, I'm now hitting the same pace that I used to hit when I was destroying myself, gasping for air. And that felt good. I felt like I could do a little bit more. I felt like I could, you know, push myself. And that's also often what I say with the, uh, like, you know, you're in a good spot with the aerobic base building, like that kind of prong one that Gary was going on with. Like, you basically want to end that distance. You want to end that session feeling like, you know, I definitely, I feel like I could have done more. I feel like I could have, uh, you know, gone for a longer distance. I feel like I could have, like, pushed myself a little bit harder. And again, we want to keep that. We want to keep that energy. We want to keep that in our mind that there's more in the tank because that builds your confidence so much. And as I said, I personally think a lot of this is just psychology. I think a lot of this is just like if we can build the confidence where you're like, I know I can hit the distance. I know I can push myself. I know I can, you know, run in a good time. Like you're pretty golden. Check. And that brings us to the final of the three prongs, which is um, interval running. Okay, so this is where you're definitely doing supra maximal pacing now um, generally you're going to do intervals in the range of 400 to 1000 meters and this is going to be 10 to 30 percent faster than your goal race pace um, so the idea here is you're getting into zone four and maybe even zone five you're working you're pushing hard here this is absolutely anaerobic it's working on much higher power output and then you have longer recovery periods so for example if you're running like hard 800 meter bouts might we might have like anywhere from two to five minute recovery periods there probably more on the higher end so that you can then go and repeat that effort and the important thing here is that like doing anaerobic training interval training like this improves your aerobic base as well okay that's really important because sometimes people think that if you're there's that there's strict adaptations interval training leads to one set of adaptations and just low low intensity aerobic training leads to another and that's just not true okay there's huge crossover it's just that there are some specific differences the reason you wouldn't want to be doing like 80 percent of your volume as interval runs is that you're probably going to get injured and you're going to be fatigued all of the time okay so this is great for building up uh conditioning of the legs you know it's going to build up a bit of strength in the muscles as well especially if you're you haven't done much weight training before. This is resistance training. Um, it's going to build up tendon strength. It's going to build up your plyometric ability where you're constantly bounding forward on those Achilles tendons, patellar tendons, etc. cetera. Um, so this is something that is can be quite productive. So you'll see a lot of long distance runners doing like 1K repeats, for example, um, on a track. You could also do hill runs here as an option, um, especially if you're going to be doing a marathon that involves hills. This would be a good opportunity for that. So this is the third prong. And this will make up the smallest chunk of your training, but it's still an important um, chunk. I don't use this with every client, especially because um, a lot of my clients are nursing injuries. That's why they end up working with me. So I'm definitely biased towards having them do 
the longer, slower stuff than the super intense stuff that's going to flare up their injuries a bit quicker. Okay. But it is still a really important problem. Yeah. And what I'll often do when we bring in intervals, like, well, first of all, like you said, like generally for the vast majority of people that I work with that have like you know, endurance based goals, it's probably not hugely necessary. Like we might do some sort of, you know, touch on the, uh, you know, this more like really deep anaerobic system. We might do it in something that's not necessarily uh, running. We might do like, say we're doing two resistance training sessions per week. We might just do some intervals on a bike or something at the end of those sessions, just so we're like touching on it, probably already in a fatigued state from the resistance training. So, you know, we don't necessarily need to push as hard, whatever. Right. So, Again, I wouldn't be doing it with absolutely everyone. But what I often do when I do bring this in, I kind of caveat it saying this is technique work, right? We're building the technique of running fast. (laughs) And then we want to carry that technique over to the actual endurance work that we're doing, right? Because very often people, you know, confuse the the map for the territory and they go okay now i'm i'm, I'm doing the the sprint work so like i'm i'm i'm, I'm in sprint mode and i'm like yeah okay cool like that we definitely want to go in with a good amount of like zeal energy whatever but keep the goal the goal we're trying to improve your endurance right so you don't necessarily need to run at your absolute max to do that right like you want to push the pace for sure but you want to push the pace in a productive way. You want to push the pace in a way that's actually going to translate into your improved endurance again in the marathon, right? So if you're doing this, don't let your technique get sloppy. You see this all the time where people are like, right, my running efficiency when I'm uh, like doing the more endurance stuff, I've really worked on it. I'm doing like really good things. And then as soon as you get them to sprint, like they're all over the place. And obviously again, that, that tidies up over time as you get, you know, more efficient, you've done, you've been exposed to it more, but you can do that from the off. You can go, I'm not going to push myself faster than my technique allows me, right? If I start noticing that my technique gets sloppy, then I need to slow down, right? And again, it's just building that efficiency. And it's the same concept in the gym. Like if you go, well, I'm going to push, you know, for uh, eight reps here. And by rep five, your technique is, you know, falling apart, right? It doesn't matter that you got the eight reps. Like your, your technique was shit. You're not actually getting the adaptations that you think you're getting, right? And it's the same with running, right? So you don't want to just ingrain shitty technique. You don't want to just keep hammering this like shitty running economy just because you're trying to run as fast as possible, right? So do keep that in mind. Yep. And then, of course, you're going to need to do this over time. So this three-prong approach, what you need to do is ideally accumulate over a period of four to six weeks where you're building up gradually. So that longer runs getting a little bit longer. Maybe you're adding an extra interval Um, you do that for four to six weeks and then you take a slight step back. Okay. And then you evaluate. The problem is if you're constantly ramping up every single week, you're accumulating fatigue, maybe higher risk of injury. So I like to have weeks where we just pull back the distance a little bit. We might pull it back to 50, 70% recover a bit more and then make our plan for the next um, four weeks. So let's say it was four weeks. You're taking a small step up each week. Then you plateau or drop back down a little bit. So you drop back down to a lower level, and then you start to climb from a higher point again. And that's what I would do in the lead up to the marathon. So um, that's very broadly the approach that you're going to aim for. How this looks on paper um, is going to vary by by client. What I would typically end up doing is put one of the longer runs at the weekend when people have more time. Um, and then I might have them do 
one to two of the moderate one runs midweek when it's easier to get them in, or we might have two long runs per week, but one might just be the longer at the weekend. Um, and then our interval run might be, you know, one of their training evenings that they have, they can get to a track or they can get to an area where they have, they have a clear run for intervals. Very much depends on the client, the time they have available and whether or not they're doing additional gym work as well. Some people will be playing field sports. Some people will be in the gym as well. And as a result, we don't have like a clear run at just running. So um, it does vary on paper, but there, if you have those three prongs in place, you should do pretty well. And as we said, that first one, that slow, steady state, you know, you're at that kind of zone two or whatever you want to call it. Like that's your bread and butter. So don't get it, don't get it twisted. Don't be like, oh, cool. Like they said that there's three prongs. I'm actually going to focus on the interval running because that's what I like doing. That's perfectly fine if you like doing it. I'm not, I'm not going to stop you, but it's probably not going to result in your best marathon times, you know? Um, anyway, there's just one caveat that we just wanted to hammer. I know we said it a few times, but uh, you don't need to run at your max uh, to improve your running, right? It probably actually holds you back. I would say that's probably the biggest thing for the majority of people, that's the thing that they're doing wrong. That's the thing that's actually holding them back from getting the results that they want. They're just constantly trying to run as hard as possible for as long as possible. You know, you see people going like, oh, I'm training for my marathon and they'll put up like, I don't know what their whoop data or their Strava or whatever, you know? Uh, and you, you look at it, you're like, you're at literally 180 beats per minute and you're a 30 year old individual. Like this is like, 90% of your max or even more 90% of your max heart rate and you're just going out for your casual run like midweek you know it's like you're you're really pushing yourself like you might be able to survive this for 12 weeks in the lead up to you know the the marathon that you're training for but you're probably training way too hard you know you're probably cutting yourself cutting yourself short in terms of the distance you can accumulate the miles that you can put on your legs over that whatever 12 16 weeks whatever it is you know and um, so run a little bit slower get to the stage where you just feel like i could go all day if you can train at that stage you're just like i have unlimited energy i have unlimited battery here you know that is so confidence building <laughs> like that gets you to a stage where you're just like a marathon easy i feel like i have a unlimited energy here cool you know and then you can start training in those higher intensities when you're like i know i can complete the race i know the distance not a problem you know if i just have to run a little bit slower i can do it right whereas if you only ever train in that like balls to the wall all out like it's just going to be more difficult do you want to add to that Gary? no i mean i totally agree there that's the thing i probably speak about the most and every time i post about it on social media it always clicks with people because they're like oh yeah this is my barrier like i'm always running too fast i find it difficult to slow myself down and so on um so that's definitely something that people should focus on and also just understanding that training is training you know just keep that in your mind i'm building fitness not testing fitness exact same when you're in the gym we're not testing one maxes every week just focus on training and keep the goal the goal Okay. Um, the injury topic, which is the, the, the kind of core final point is one that I cover again, all the time with clients and is one of the bottlenecks to running performance. You know, I mentioned previously those physiological barriers to performance, but injuries are the real bottleneck in both bodybuilding and powerlifting and in running, because as soon as you get an injury, 
And if you don't look after that, you let it run on long-term and it's constantly hindering your training. Now you're worried about like, you know, the specifics of your technique and your volume and so on, but you're never able to push yourself anywhere near failure because of this injury. And you're constantly held back because of this injury. And that's the same thing when it comes to running. Okay. Don't increase volume too quickly. Take your time with those steps as you increase. Um, your body needs time to adapt. It's not going to adapt from 20K to 40K week to week. It's like weight training. We add on small little nudges, okay? An extra rep here, an extra 2.5 kilos there. It's the same with running. You know, an extra kilometer or two as you're increasing. If you're if you're trying to speed up, make small changes. So I'm going to try reduce my pace by 10 seconds. I'm going to try reduce my pace by um, 15 seconds. These are the small little changes that you begin to make that really do accumulate over time. And if you do see injuries pop up, so you're, you're thinking, God, you know, after yesterday's run, my Achilles is, is at me, but I've got a 20K today, I'm going to do it. It's not worth it, okay? Because what 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 starts as a small niggle can suddenly become a full-blown tendinopathy that you're now dealing with for six months. That's very frustrating and that will certainly stop you running a marathon. So try to deal with those things quickly. If you start to see a flare-up of an injury, pull back a little bit, pull back the volume, pull back the intensity, maybe do a little bit of rehab work, maybe do a consult with the triage rehab team, and then um, you'll be well on your way to getting back on the on the path. But preventing an injury is always the best approach rather than rehab, okay? You don't want to be coming to me and Luke saying, ah, ruptured my Achilles, can you help me with the rehab? That's a... That's a year-long process where you're going to be focusing on that rather than just the two or three weeks of taking it easy when it initially flared up. Yeah, and I think, again, for most people, if you start out running, you're going to pick up some little things, like some little niggles. Right? It's just it's just par for the course, right? Yep. You need to be smart with this. You need to go, okay, there's a little ding here. There's a little, like, you know, I can feel like, you know, the outside of my knee or something, right? And you're like, I'm not really sure. Like you're almost always better off to just take it a little bit easier, reduce the volume, reduce the intensity for a week, right? You can still get out and do your runs. You can still be actually, you know, progressing. You can still be pushing forward with things, but you're just taking it just that little bit easier and you're being smart with things. You're not loading. You're not going, okay, yeah, I had a really hard uh, run. And after that, like my, you know, I, I feel something inside my knee is just, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right, right? That's not the time to be like, well, actually, I'm looking at my next week training program here. And, you know, oh, this is a week where I'm I'm really going to be pushing myself. So I'll just wrap it up. It'll be fine, you know, or I'll, I'll spray some like numbing agents on it and I, it'll be fine because that's what people do. Right. Um, don't do that. Just go, OK, it, this is not the time. This is not the week to push hard. This is not the week to, you know, really go for it with training. Right. Just dial things back. Right. And that can actually be one of the harder things to do because you're probably already you know built up a lot of adaptations you're feeling like yes actually i can i'm getting some good momentum that's when it always seems to happen you get that little niggle when you're like i feel like i'm in a good rhythm with things i've I've started hitting new distances i've started hitting like you know times or speeds or paces or whatever that you know i didn't think was possible and then it's like oh actually my ankle's a bit at me you know or my knee's a bit at me or even my low back something happens right it seems to always be the case and it is just a case of dropping back, letting some of that fatigue dissipate, still getting some blood through the area, still getting some motion, et cetera. Again, obviously it depends on the issue. Like if you're, if you're just torn your hamstring or something, like maybe I wouldn't be going out for a, even a handy run, <laughs> um, you know, but just reduce your volume, 
it, it sounds so like patronizingly simple. You're just like, ah, sure, it, it couldn't be that, couldn't be that easy. But very often it is. Just get ahead of it as soon as, and then you can start going back to higher and higher training loads. Check. And I think that's everything really. Um, of course, there are so many caveats, there are so many advanced methods that we could talk about, but this is just the, the catch-all. Okay. These are the core principles. These are the things that will take you to a better marathon time. Okay. It may, may not take you to Kipchoge's sub two hour if you're currently running 210 or something like that, but it will take you to your first marathon. And if you've done one before and you haven't had a plan, you'll certainly improve by following these things. These are principles that will carry you very far. It's like weight training. You know, the the principles that apply for the advanced guys are the exact same as, as they are for the beginners. They just require some tweaking on the individual level. So if you do need further help, guys, we do have coaching spaces available. So if you'd like to work with um, one of our team with your running goals or with your hybrid training goals where you're lifting and running or doing another endurance sport, we can help you out with that. So information in the description box below for coaching. Very important um, note. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, no, our nutrition cert is already closed, guys. So you're done. You can't uh, buy that anymore to have a look out towards the end of the year. Sorry if you missed out. But there's, there's a wait list. list. There's a wait list. Yeah. Join the wait list. So you can join the wait list for the nutrition cert um, later this year. Um, and then uh, you can get stuck into that. But for the moment, sorry, keep following on social media. We put out so much free content, guys. Make sure you're following on Instagram, on YouTube, especially. We're putting out super high quality content over on YouTube. And we also have our newsletter, which goes out each week, the Triage Method newsletter. Subscribe below. Um, and if you are enjoying the podcast, we always appreciate when people share that too, or you just like it, leave it a review, follow, etc. depending on where you're watching or listening. And uh, other than that, I think that's everything from us. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Hope everyone enjoyed this and we'll see you in the next one.